you lose money, you lose nothing. Yep. If you lose your health, you lose something. If you lose your character, you lose everything. Yep. All right? I so love that write, quote. Write that down. I love that quote. Mm. Dude, money. Dude, I'm a blue-collar kid, dude. I don't come from money. So guess what? I like nice things, but I don't need them. All right? I had a hell of a life uh, uh, being broke or, or you know, not having any money really in the bank account and had a ton of fun, had, a, had, had great relationships, great friendships, and uh, was able to do a lot of cool stuff. And, yeah, I didn't go get a... $150 steak, I get a $6 burrito instead. Yeah. And guess what? I like burritos better than a $150 <laughs> steak. I do you too, know? actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with Hey everyone, welcome to the Compound Mindset. This is episode 12. I got my buddy Tim Bratz here with me. Thanks for coming. Appreciate, Appreciate you, man. man. Um, hop right into the wisdom moment, get in masterminds, get in the right rooms. This is, um, I've been in Tim's room now a little over a year and I absolutely love Legacy Family and going to those events, but I owe all my growth and where I'm at today to being in the right rooms and being around the right people. So that's your wisdom moment. And uh, I want to hop right into things. Let's talk about Tim. Tim, uh, how does Tim see himself? Who is Tim? <laughs> well, first, I, I want to I acknowledge what you just said about being in the right rooms. Yes, yeah, please. Um, we, we preach it. We always talk about it. We always talk about, you know, that's the accelerator. There's no fast track to success. But if you, if you want a shortcut success, the only way that I know is to put yourself in those rooms. Yep. You know, I, I, was at, I was filling up my, uh, my, my Jeep and, uh, you know, like the TVs that are on the gas station things and like that one girl hops up, I don't know, like in Charleston, it's this girl, Maria Menounos. Okay. Yep. And she's like, Maria Menounos with a quick minute on whatever it was. And she says, there was a study that just came out and it says in order, and here's how she worded it. In order to change your luck, you should surround yourself with different people. <laughs> That's what she said. A study came out from some, you know. Uh, like highly regarded university. And if you want to change your luck, the greatest opportunity to change your luck and to change your, your lot in life is to put yourself in a room with different people who are where you want to be, who are doing things and going the same direction that you want to go. That changes your luck. Dude, I think it's so powerful and so impactful. And, and hearing it from somebody who's not Selling a, a, yep. a mastermind or, you know, promoting something that, uh, that, that, you know, maybe they have a bias in. Like, I believe so much in the mastermind concept because, dude, I was fucking running into walls nonstop until 2015 when I joined my first mastermind. And then my success went like this. Yep. And so that was the differentiator for me of I don't have to learn uh, by, by getting punched in the gut over and over and over again. And from my own mistakes and my own mess ups, which take way more time and are far more costly than just joining a, a group, right? Getting yourself. And if you don't want to join a group, you don't have the money for a group, friggin' start one, yep. right? Start a local meetup that with a bunch of real estate entrepreneurs and a bunch of real estate investors and, and, uh, invite out business mastery type people and ask them to speak and offer insight. And then, you know, um, 
there's a lot of ways to do it if you don't have the money. If you do have the money, just pay to get in the rooms, and that keeps the low-level thinkers out. You're only um, surrounding yourself with people who understand the investment in themselves, and there's a level of confidence in a guy like you in the room of like, dude, I know that I'm worth it. I know that I can see a return on my investment by investing this money here. And if you put yourself in a room of 200 people like you, mm-hmm. right, who have that level of confidence, who have that, um, the ability and the know-how on how to get the ROI, dude, you're going to fall backwards into deals even on accident. So yep. uh, investing in yourself, man, 100%. That, if, if, if you stopped watching right now, that's, that's a, yep. enough of a takeaway, right? Oh, my God. I've been um, listening to Jim Rohn a lot lately, and that's the that's section I'm on right now. And dude, just to talk about so personal good. growth and just surround yourself with the right people and just changing those little habits. You change a couple little habits, and that's what happens. You're in the right room. You don't make this miraculous change and then become successful the next day. What happens is you learn, I learn a habit from you. I learn a habit from this. I learn something that this person's doing. And then I implement it in my business. That's how I've been able to make the change. Consistently compounded over time. And then you pick your head up and you're like, holy shit. Like It's only been 24 months. And look how different your business has been 24 months ago to today and the trajectory that it's on. Absolutely. You're taking down way bigger deals. You have access to way more resources, way more capital, uh, way bigger opportunities and and more confidence and excitement in what's coming down Mm -hmm. the pipeline, right? Versus, I don't know what I'm capable of. I don't know what, you know, 24, not, not, not saying that's what you were thinking, but me personally. No, I was. I, I know where I, I was 24 months ago and I know where I am today. Absolutely. Right? No, I was thinking that. I always, uh, I've had imposter syndrome for a little bit. Like, and I think that's probably why a lot of people maybe get a little nervous to get in that room. It's like, I don't, I don't belong in that room. You know what you do? Everybody here belongs in that room. If you're willing to put the effort and hustle and do what it takes, get in the room. You don't, if you're the smartest person in the room, say it all the time, you're in the wrong room. So like you want to be in the room you feel like you're not supposed to belong in. And, and for me, man, it's, it's. It's, hey, I might not be there. They might be further ahead Mm -hmm. than me. But guess what? I know anybody watching this, Mm -hmm. right, obviously has some sort of fire burning inside of them where they know that they're capable of more. They know they're meant for more. They Mm -hmm. know that they can do more with their life and impact their family, their own uh, community, and on a a larger scale. And they know, and and, and I always knew that I had that inside me somewhere, but... Your, your current circumstance doesn't dictate who you are as an individual, right? Like, and, and what you're meant to be or what you're meant to become. And I had these uh, these things holding me back because I was broke, because I failed in business, because I was, you know, getting kicked in the head by uh, business partners taking advantage of me or contract. Like, I was like, but I know I'm meant for more. And I think that internal desire of of knowing you're meant for more and knowing that you're capable of more. Dude, if you have that, you are welcome to come into the room that I'm in, right? And, and the room that, that I curate because that to me is worth far more than, you know, I could teach the technical yep. skills. I could teach the mm-hmm. tactical stuff. I could teach how to do uh, those types of skills. I want, I want the drive. I want the fire. I want the ambition. And those are the kinds of people that I want to surround myself with because I know that they'll run through a brick wall in, in order to figure out a way and find find the solution. If I could just help tweak it a couple different ways, that's the point. So, oh, I I love that too. And I think I, I know another big hangout. We talked a little bit about this in one of the episodes. Is that don't let your past dictate your future. Mm-hmm. That was my imposter syndrome issue. Oh, I would be past. like, hey, you know, I was kind of a little bit of a little bit of an asshole in high school. I Me wasn't too. always the nicest person. Didn't Me always too. do the right things. I made a lot of mistakes. 
um, especially my 20, you know, teens yeah. and 20s. I did a lot of stupid things that I, I don't want to say regret, but I wish I could change the trajectory of yeah, what I did I would back never, then. But I never do that. I'd never act like that. I'd never be that disrespectful today. Exactly. Right? And I, and I, but guess what, dude? You're aware of it because you went through that. And you'll never treat anybody that way. And that's and that's I'm the same way, man. Like there were people that I was an asshole to, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, what, oh, dude, that's that's a reflection on me, not yeah. on them. Right? Yeah. I was the asshole. They're, they were, you know, uh, for one reason or another, like you know, didn't get along. But but now I know to be better, right? Yeah. And and if unless we go through those painful moments, mm-hmm. it it doesn't. Set us up for more success in the future, you know? Yeah, and I just think that's so important because I know that was a hurdle for me and I know for a lot of people that's the hurdle. So I'm, I'm glad we started off this way. I know we're talking yeah. about compounding money today, but like this is just compounding our, our self-worth and, and personal growth. Gotta I mean, I just, I, I love that. Um, a lot of it stems from that. So back absolutely. to the original question. What, what did you ask? No, no, no worries. We go back. Uh, I just wanted just a little bit about yourself. Obviously, people know who you are. Well, I'm going to say obviously, but most people know who you are as far as the real estate world. Yeah. Who... What else? Who else is Tim Bratz like? What do you, what do you like to do? You got a family. You got like. Tell me a little bit about you. Yeah, man. Well, um, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm known for real estate because that's what I was just active on in social media. But um, the reality is, like, I'm far more personal growth oriented and far more entrepreneurial oriented and personal finance oriented. Uh, just real estate's my vehicle. You know, and so because I think real estate is the best vehicle to build long-term wealth and commercial real estate specifically, that's just kind of what I've leaned into. Um, but I was I was put on the path of from a from a, I was put on this path because I was interested in personal finance and entrepreneurship and dictating my own time. Right, like I am not the person. I am not employable, dude. <laughs> I've taken personality tests to uh, to get jobs in medical sales and stuff like that when I was first out of college. And they're like, nope, <laughs> flunk, not a good fit. Because it's like, dude, I run against the grain. Yep. A lot of times I don't like being told what to do by other people. And, um, dude, just the idea of you know, driving over here. We drove over in, uh, in rush hour traffic. I was like, if I had to do this and drive in rush hour traffic every day, twice a day for my entire life. Dude, there's no friggin' way that I would... I mean, that alone is reason enough to go and start a business and figure out something. You know what I mean? Like that would be enough for me of being, you know, subject to other people's timing and uh, just like, oh man, just not interested. So it shows why those people have those mindsets and they're always angry. It's I, I get it. Like I, I'm from Boston. <laughs> right. I know. Like driving in that traffic right. gets to you after a while. Dude, like it just. How do you have a positive mindset and a positive dynamic and outlook on life when you got to deal with when you start your day with that? Yeah. You know, start and, end and then it. you end your day. Yeah. <laughs> and then you come home to your family. You're supposed to be in like this cheerful mood. Like, yeah. It's hard. I get it's you. It's hard. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, man, I'm, I'm a blue collar kid from Cleveland, Ohio, right? Like as blue, my dad was a cop. My mom was, has a teaching degree, right? It's like, you can't get, unless you were raised by a fireman and a nurse, right? You can't get more blue collar than a teacher and a cop, right? And so that's, that's how I was raised. Uh, come from a very uh, blue collar town. The, the average house today in that town is probably $150,000, wow. right? So maybe maybe 150 to 200 grand, probably in that in that range. And when I was growing up, it was I don't know 75 to 125 thousand dollar average. So it's like very very working class. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But my dad was fascinating is, and I think, you know, we're all products of our parents either in that um, we, we take the good and, or we acknowledge the bad and we don't want that. Like I've seen some people who are like some of the best dads ever that didn't, weren't raised with fathers, you know, mm-hmm. and I've seen some of the people who are the best dads ever who did have a dad who set the example, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think, you know, my dad had, had a job, but I always saw, he also had a part-time business. And he made more in his part-time business than he made in his full-time job. And that always resonated with me of like, hey, Dad, what if you just worked harder over here or left your job? And went, well, we don't have health insurance over here. I was yep. like, Dad, you're making like way more than what health insurance costs. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what health insurance, but I'm sure you're making, you can make way more money if you did that. He's like, Isn't it crazy how like, and I've heard this, and I've even thought about the like a W-2 employee, their first thing they go to is, yeah, but the health insurance, it's yeah. like, just, you make more than, that. that's... What six hundred bucks a month? Yeah, just make more than that. Right. And it's, you can pay for your own health insurance, right. but it's like that safety net. And I've heard that so many times. Is but my health insurance is so good. My re- my retirement is so good. Well, is it? Yeah. <laughs> but in theory, it is, and that's what holds people back. But I'm sorry, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's no, you're right. It's it's the handcuffs. I was talking mm. to my buddy who's in um, works for one of the biggest medical um, pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. in the country, and the way that they structure his comp plan is. They give you the equity today, but you have to vest into it for the next five years. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a substantial amount of equity. It's, you know, I don't know what he makes. It's called a 200 grand a year. Um, and they give him like 75 grand a year of equity. You know, so mm-hmm. 75, but you don't get it until, right? It's not even real. It's, not, it's, it's yeah. on paper right now, but it's got handcuffs because if he stays yeah. another five years. But guess what, bud? You stay another five years. Then you have another five years of vesting, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how they hold on to you. And um, and it's an equity in the company. And who knows if the company goes down? Who knows if they you know, launch something that make a bunch of kids sick? Or like, yep. it could be worth nothing in five years at the same time. But they got him by the golden handcuffs. He's not willing to leave mm-hmm. because he's got this idea that he's got 75 grand times five years um, of net worth, right, in his yep. pocket, and it's just, and he won't. I know that he can make all day seven hundred to a million dollars a year, knowing what he knows about sales and creating like a sales coaching mm-hmm. program. And, and I could help. He's one of my best friends, right? And I could help him structure the whole thing, and just through our network, send enough people where he would net a million bucks a year. And he's not he's not willing to leave a two hundred thousand dollar a year job because of the idea of that. So it's just like. Um, uh, and I, and I don't know, he might make 500 grand. And so maybe those numbers are a little bit off, but, um, it's just, it's more the psychology of it. Exactly. And so how do we take that from the big, dude, there's a reason the psychology is, is, is it's structured that way. The comp plan structured that way in these fortune 500 companies, Mm -hmm. how do we do it as small business people? Right. To do the same thing. Yep. So one of the things that I've done is I've structured a vesting of, hey, once you're with me for five years in the operations side, you can get into equity in these properties that we're buying. You know, and you and you don't have to be completely new. Uh, you could take an existing idea and then kind of tweak it to work for your business model that then attracts a, a level talent to then come and work with you because then they can invest into more and more equity for the next five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years. And now they have equity in all these different businesses. And if they stop working for you, that equity goes away. 
And not everybody's an entrepreneur. Let's get that straight. So that makes sense. I mean, not everybody's going to go out and start their own thing or, or take it's that risk. It's hard, dude. It's, it's horrible. It's really hard. It is. And as you know, and I know you've dealt with shit lately, like yeah. it's, sometimes it gets really hard. And sometimes it's difficult, but you have to keep moving forward. That's yeah. how you stay successful. But there are so many entrepreneurs out there. Like That's so many great people. entrepreneurs that Matt if they're Harlan part of your that. team, they still have a say. They still have a voice. Yeah, they don't technically took the, took the risk or own the company. But I know you and your team, you operate like me and my team do. It's like, hey, you got a great idea, great opinion. I'm not telling you, pushing you away like... We do this together. We yep. grow together. Yep. Um, and, that, and that's how, you know, Matt Carlin, Fatty Bumitri, yep. dude, they don't want to be number one. Exactly. They don't want, there's a lot of liability. There's a lot of targets on number one, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of people trying to take our legs out. And there's a lot of liability that we have and I have as a, the, the loan signer mm-hmm. on this deal, like the one that you're kind of alluding to is, um, dude, I got a $70 million loan. Mm-hmm. That could go south. It doesn't affect Matt Carlin. It doesn't, I mean, it, it does in that, um, we can't go and get more deals, yeah. right? Unless they then spot. Because, but guess what? Now that there's, now that they've had invested into equity, they can go and sponsor mm-hmm. some decent sized loans too. And um, if we had to, we would just rework the equity and say, "Hey, Tim has a, a you know a default on his record or something." It, and this this deal, I don't foresee it going south, right? Because we're gonna we have enough resources. We, we're gonna. Um, save ourselves and save our partners and save my credit and save our investors on this deal. I want to give you kudos real quick. I've heard nothing but you came, stepped right in, just took the bull by the horns. And (laughs) that speaks to your character. And I think that's really important. I mean, we all hear this, a $70 million deal. He signed on the debt. He had nothing else to do with that deal, correct, at that point? Co-sponsored loan. And then he goes and takes the bull by the horns, takes this deal to make sure that you're doing what's best for the investors yeah. and as a whole. And I just want to say I respect you for that. I've heard nothing yeah. but great things. And that's where you show good character. And those are the type of operators I like to work with. People who will step in when they have to, even when times suck. And, so. and, and I think that's, mm-hmm. it's been easy to have success for the past 10 years yep. in, a, in a market that goes straight from, you know, the bottom left to the top right, right? Like everything in, in the graph has gone up in value. Yep. And, uh, uh, and it's easy, and, and, and when a market looks like that, it will uh, cover up mistakes. Yep. It'll it'll make bad operators look good. It will um, make bad evaluations okay because you can still get out of those things. And the reality is, dude, this stuff never goes smooth. There's always lumps you got to take. There's always mishaps and curveballs and, and all this stuff. Uh, but how do you respond to those things, right? right. How do you how do you uh, take those and then get resourceful. How do you problem solve? How are you solution oriented? And um, when people focus on the problem, dude, the, the problem expands. Yep. If you focus on solutions or how you how you overcome those solutions, and um, that, then that expands and you, you can get past it. And the reality is, if you're investing in real estate and taking on private money, nothing is more important than the investors. Yes. Right. Yep. Uh, there. The, you will rise or fall based on your ability to raise private money mm-hmm. and based on uh, your character. And the only way that you can raise private money is if you do have good character, uh, except for when the market, when the government prints $10 trillion and just gives <laughs> it out and everybody's got money and they just want to throw it in deals. Yep. Maybe they operate with, with phonies and fakes who can fake it for a couple of years and look like good operators, but they're not good operators. Mm-hmm. And so, um, dude, you, you, if you're always making decisions in, in the syndication world, based on the investor's best interest, 
which hopefully you have fiduciary duty in the documentation that, that the operating partner has to make mm-hmm. uh, decisions that way, then if the investors are always taken care of, then guess what? Your lender, your mortgage lender is always going to be taken mm-hmm. care of, right? If the investors are always taken care of, then you're going to be taken care of. Yep. If it's the deal structured the right way, where you get compensated if the investors get compensated. And um, and that's we've always tried to stay in the same boat, rowing in the same direction with our investors and make sure that they're taken care of first. And if that's done, even on deals that we've lost money on, they're like, dude, because you communicated, because you, um, and we can do a better job at communicating. We try to over-communicate. And we, we probably could do a better job at it. Um, but you know, there was a deal last year, we lost $2 million. And I could have went to the investors and said, hey, you guys invested as equity investors, right? You invested $6 million. We only got $4 million back. Here's your $4 million. You got to take a 33% loss mm-hmm. on your money. Uh, but you made 10% per year over the past three years. And so you're really a break even. Mm-hmm. You could do that. And probably some of the bigger shops wouldn't do that. And, and they, I know that they do that. But the reality is the mess up wasn't on the investors. They did their part. They, they wrote checks, right? The mess up was on the management company. It was on obviously the market and, and how things have, have pivoted. And that's the reality is as the, the sponsor and as the general partner, that's on us. And so I wrote a check with Fatty and our other joint venture partner, $2 million to get those investors all their money back. And the worst case scenario for them was they made 10% per year while their money was invested, but they didn't lose any money. Yep. And if you always go at it from that and realize, dude, you're going to strike out once in a while, but then you're going to hit five home runs or five base hits and uh, you're going to win, yep. right? And so one bad deal should not affect the other five, six, seven good deals that you can do. And uh, there's, there's investors that were in that deal that said, hey, because you did the right thing in this mm-hmm. deal, I'm coming in for the next one. Uh, you know, I'm with you long term because I know that you do the right thing. And so I think that's uh, not only is it the right thing to do, but in self-interest, friggin' do it because now you have more investors longer term. Yep. And, uh, it's a pillow test. Yeah. I always say, like, if I can't rest my head on my pillow and I didn't do the right thing at night, you know, that, that's the issue. Like, I, that's all I care about. At the end of the day, Tim, we, we absorb value, personal growth. You talked about that's what you really focus on. I'm never worried about being successful and being able to bring in money, whatever that means, as long as I live within my means and I can put my head to rest at night. That's, yeah. that's what I care about, and it's a pillow test. And if, whenever we're talking about something, it's all about doing the right thing. To me, that is doing the right thing. That is the pillow test. That is, hey, these inve- what is the right thing to do? The right thing is to take care of these investors. Whether they invest again with you or not, they're going to respect that part. Yeah. Because guess what? If you don't do that, you know what they will do? They won't invest with you. And then they also will tell their friends who probably have money yep. not to invest in yep. yours too. So like selfishly, it helps there. But at the end of the day, it's all about, and I know you're a good person, it's about the pillow test. Like, yeah. at, like we don't need a, a you know another $150 stake or whatever it is or, or yeah. a private flight to somewhere. Like at the end of the like you want to keep those people happy. You want to keep your reputation up. To me, I don't know, to me, my whole life I built my reputation. I know you're the same way. Like, that could kill a reputation. That could hurt you in so many other ways. That's just It's just doing the right thing, and that's what I respect because I've been saying this for a while. I've been saying this for about six, eight months since the market's been shifting. We're going to really see people's true colors over the next one, two, three years. This is Dude. where you're going to see if people care about the pillow test or if they just and, and it's all about money. And it's, it's so short-minded. People yeah. make decisions improperly based on short-term circumstances. Mm-hmm. 
If you always make decisions based on what's the best thing to do for the next 10 years, what's the best thing to do for the next 25 years, and you look at it, okay, here's the right thing to do. Here's what I should do. And, And that has been a differentiator of making decisions based on the walls feeling like they're caving in in the circumstance versus making the right decision, which is a long-term perspective. And a lot of people get caught up on this deal not thinking about how is it going to affect the next 10 deals or the next 50 deals or the next 100 deals that I do. And if you you make decisions with long-term perspective, it's a a game changer. And um, one more thing on that point, heard heard a quote. It's like, if you lose money, you lose nothing. If you lose your health, you lose something. If you lose your character, you lose everything. Yep. All right? I so love that write, quote. Write that down. Yeah, I love that quote. Uh-huh. Money. I'm a blue-collar kid, dude. I don't come from money. So guess what? I like nice things, but I don't need them. All right? I had a hell of a life uh, uh, being broke or, or you know, not having any money really in the bank account and had a ton of fun, had, a, had, had great relationships, great friendships, and uh, was able to do a lot of cool stuff. And, yeah, I didn't go get a $150, $150 steak. I got a... Six dollar burrito instead, yep. and guess what? I like burritos better than one hundred fifty dollars steak. <laughs> I do you too, know? actually. Yeah, yeah I mean, seriously. Mm. And so, like, I like the nice stuff, but I don't need it. Yeah. And I think once you get to the point where you've had the nice things, it's cool to experience it. And then you're like, this. It's we're, it's life is about a lot more than just that. That's yeah. why you know, I wear a thousand dollar watch and not a not a. watch, right? I drive a Jeep and not a Lamborghini. I could buy a Lamborghini dealership, but I just don't give a shit. I don't give it value. You know, I care about, um, there's, you know, I was talking to my mom and on the way here and, uh, as I'm in the car and I made a donation, right. To, uh, there's some scholarship thing that she runs for the local school district. And, uh, she goes, Oh my gosh, Timmy. And like the scholarship thing is like, they're asking for $25 donations. Mm -hmm. Right. I was like, Dude, I hope I can give more than twenty. So I read a check for a thousand dollars. You know, and and in in our world, that's like commonplace. Whenever somebody asks for a donation, there's five hundred to a thousand dollars, maybe twenty five hundred, or even more potentially. And um, that's that's a testament to being in the right rooms, to flexing that muscle of trying to give more and do the right thing and make a bigger impact and realize that. Uh, that makes a difference, dude. Me giving $1,000 to some kid to be able to pay for books, to get educated at school and, um, and send them on their way is, is worth a lot more to me today than a $1,000 bottle of wine oh, or dinner or something like that. There's you been know? You know, so many studies on that as far as like, I can't remember the two people. There's two, like, two mega powerhouses that sold their businesses for like $100 million, $200 million. One of them jumped in front of a train. The other one committed suicide some other way. Because once they sold the company, they had nothing left. So it was all about building the business and Their identity money. was tied to that. Yeah. And if you don't have like contribution, I mean, Tony Robbins talks about it. Contribution is such an important part of, yeah. no matter what that is, what, whatever that means. If you don't have a lot of money and your contributions, donating your time at a food bank or just helping kids out or whatever the case is, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be about money. It's giving back is such a great feeling. Like I had um, something that's dear to me. I'm watching the commercial, you know, those St. Jude commercials where yeah. they show the sick kid. Automatically start crying and boom, there we go. Monthly contribution. Yeah. I'll tear up now. Just thinking about yeah. that. Sick kids really get me. Um, me too, man. That's, that's my soft so spot. Like, my soft spot is mm-hmm. children mm-hmm. like who are faced with some sort of disadvantage, not because of anything that they did. Yeah. Right. No offense to the person who, 
ate French fries and, and ate like shit and never worked out for 50 years of their life and then they have diabetes or are, you know, some sort of health issue. Dude, that's on them. They made yeah. bad decisions for a long time and that compounded over a long time. But some little kid who gets brain cancer mm -hmm. or some little kid who gets leukemia, dude, for no reason of their own, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. and they get sick or some kid who's put in a situation, um, the parents are drug addicts and then they're putting in a foster home and then they're, they're, uh, you know, exposed to these, these horrible situations. Um, that's the kind of stuff that, that really resonates with like, I want to help those, those situations. Yeah, that's exactly how I am. I'm like, if you can, if you, um, can control the destiny and you cause the issue, not that I don't have feelings, so like I, I, I wish you the best and I hope you do well, yeah. but when you can't control any of that and it's of no fault of your own and, and then you, Compound that with being a kid. Yep. You got my heart. Yep. All right. So let's hop into a little bit. Give me a quick overview of what your company is. Because I know you got, you know, Legacy Wealth Holdings. You got the Legacy Family that I'm a part of. Absolutely love it. Tell me a little bit about, like, what your company is about, why it was created, um, and just a nice overview. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, uh, I came up with, with investing in real estate, right? Like, I didn't come up with it, but like, I, I mean, I came through the ranks. You invented it? This is awesome. Investing in real estate. <laughs> I came through the ranks with investing in real mm -hmm. estate, and that was always my thing. I started out with single family. Well, first, I started with brokerage. Uh, well, no, before that, I had uh, uh, worked in the trades. I had a painting company, and then I interned with a big home builder, and then I uh, went the broker route, and then I saw how much money there was in owning real estate versus brokering it, so I started... Um, I wanted to invest and I house hacked my own home and then I went through these, these graduated steps into getting into apartments eventually. And that, that getting into commercial and apartments resonated with the idea of, I've always had like this sense of efficiency that I like and I hate waste. I hate, uh, you know, anything that's wasteful, um, toys that my kids have that aren't used, right? Or food that they leave on their plate. There's kids in China who don't have enough food, right? Like uh, that kind of stuff still resonates and it still uh, permeates in my head. And so I, I, when I got into apartments and I saw how efficiently they could be run, and instead of going to eight houses, you go to one eight-unit apartment building and you look at one foundation instead of eight foundations or one roof instead of eight roofs, pay one tax bill instead of eight tax bills, it was just way more efficient. Yep. And so I leaned heavily into that and that was kind of like – between that and then getting into some of the other commercial asset classes, that was like um, the pinnacle that I saw in investing in personal finance and the efficiencies and the scale that you could get. Um, so, you know, got into that and um, tried a lot of different things, though. Like, I had the real estate license. I started a management company, um, tried bringing construction in-house. And I, th I think when you're growing, we all have these ambitions to have, like, vertical integration and have everything in-house. And I quickly realized, like, damn, all these are different businesses. I need yeah. a head of every single different business. And there's, like, in order to have, you know, I need six different companies, which yeah. need to be six different ways with six different COOs. And I was like, that's not the right way to grow. Yeah. Um, and so I, I outsourced a lot. Of, and I just focused on the investment side because I knew that that's where the real wealth was. If I focused on that, then all the other stuff, we could make enough money to then start bringing this other stuff in-house. And, um, and we grew the investment. And so we grew to... I don't know, we've transacted and bought probably over 6,000 apartments mm -hmm. and currently have probably sold off some stuff. So we're at like 3,500 units right now. But we've done self-storage. We've done high-end Airbnbs, lower-end Airbnbs. We've done um, office. We've done mixed-use. We've done 
Um, I don't know, shit, what other asset classes? I don't know. We've done a bunch of land development, new construction, um, all that kind of stuff. And uh, probably 80% apartments with 20% ancillary, messing around with other asset classes. Um, so that's that's been kind of the investment side. But I think in business, one of the things I've learned is like, you need the long-term wealth. And that's always what I've been focused on. And so because of that, it was always like delaying paydays, delaying the cash. And we had some very skinny days, even though we had a lot of success and growth, there wasn't any money today. There wasn't any money now. It was always like scraping to try to come up with some cash. And so it wasn't until probably 2020 that we started taking acquisition fees. Mm -hmm. So that way you have the long-term wealth and then you have the quick cash, right? You need both of those when you're growing a business. When I was first growing my business, my wife had a job, could pay the bills. That was the fast money mm-hmm. um, while I was building the long-term wealth, right? And then when she came home, we didn't have that cash anymore. And so we'd start taking acquisition fees. And um, uh, then we started the education, right? Mm-hmm. Like the coaching program has been awesome because it it aligns with the investment side. Yep. It, it feeds that. We have deal flow, right? We have investor cash that comes in. And so it feeds the investment side. But the other thing that it does is it gives us the fast cash. If I had to make $100,000 this month because we were tight on funds, I could offer some sort of coaching product. I could offer some sort of an event. I could do things in order to generate a lot of revenue very quickly, which is much harder to do with an illiquid asset like an apartment building. And so... um, you know, as you grow your business, man, I think it's very important to have, how do I get fast? Thinking about fast money and slow wealth. Fast money, slow wealth. You have to have both of them all the time. So you probably should have two businesses and uh, the wealthiest people I know, they have fast cash, fast money, and then they they roll that money into their long-term wealth. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. It's like, the way I say it is like short, mid, and long-term money, but fast and long money. You need both. You're right. You need those things feeding you. Um, which leads into actually what I want to talk about. It's a compound mindset. And we went into a lot of personal growth here today, and some, uh, which is awesome. But I want to talk about compounding money with you because this is what syndications, this is what this multifamily really does best. So when did you start like realizing the power of compounding money and how do you implement that into your decision-making now in your business? Oh, man. Um, Easy softball question. <laughs> so, so I think uh, realize I, I realized about the compounding of money from buying liabilities, not from buying assets. Okay. Right? I went and bought. Uh, you know, as soon as I had like ten rentals, I, I was like, oh, I have residual income. This is the thing that everybody hopes for when they get into real mm-hmm. estate. I wasn't rich, but I was technically financially free because I had more. Residual money coming in than what my monthly expenses are, by, by like a thousand dollars, right? It wasn't a lot, um, but it prompted me to go and buy a Mercedes. It prompted me to go and take some fancy vacations in Europe. It prompted me to go and join the local um, social clubs, and all of a sudden, the compound effect of those car payments, of the credit card payments, mm-hmm. of the monthly uh, subscription payments to liabilities, right? I saw that compound effect, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And I went, come, I was, I was broke, dude. I had eighty dollars in my bank account. I had twenty five thousand dollars in credit card debt when I was twenty seven years old. Mm-hmm. 
and I had to borrow money to make the minimum payment on my credit card and to make my house payment to the point where I had to sell my own primary home in order to have enough cash to then pay down my credit card. I moved back in with my parents at the age of 27, uh, moved back to Ohio, right? And uh, uh, I saw what that, can, what that does being a bad steward of capital and, that, and the way that the compound effect sets in. And I was like, I'm a good steward of capital today because I was a bad steward of capital when I was 27. So 10 years later, at the age of 37, mm-hmm. now I see the compound effect of buying property yep. and the success that can come with starting with an eight unit and then mm-hmm. buying a 12 unit and then buying a 14 unit and then buying a 23 unit. And then all of a sudden, you know, people want to run into a hundred unit right away. Well, dude, there's some sharks that you have to deal with at hundred unit complexes and bigger. These are the hedge funds. These are real estate trusts. These are people who have been in the business a long time who have zero morals and zero ethics. And they will look you in the eye, lie to you, and screw you right. Dude, and, 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 and then they'll, they'll make you feel bad yep. for them screwing you over. Right? That's a very real thing. And it's hard to raise money on a 200-unit complex if you've never done it on two units. Yep. It's hard to get credibility on a 200-unit complex with a broker if you've never bought 20 units. Mm-hmm. Right? And so... That compound effect is, is kind of the secret sauce to success, dude. It's, it's understanding that, again, it's not about this deal. It's about what does this deal lead to. Yep. And this, it works under the surface. Dude, we all want it to grow faster than it does. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I promise you, you will overestimate what you can do in 12 months, but grossly underestimate if you stay consistent yep. with the activities that drive revenue in business. Revenue solves all problems when it comes to business, right? You're consistently focused on revenue generating activities, which is typically prospecting for deals, prospecting for private money, and prospecting to grow your team with good people. You're focused on that for five years, you will grossly underestimate what you can accomplish in three to five years. And you'll pick your head up and be like, oh, my goal was 100 doors, and you're going to have 1,500. Yep. Right? And you're going to be like, oh, but you only had 20 or or 15 units after the end of the first year. And then all of a sudden this compound effects and this compound effect sets in and then you find yourself picking up 700 units in year five. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, 200 units a year. It was, or or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. whatever the numbers are, 400 units a year. It was doubling the penny every single day. And all of a sudden year, year five comes along. You're like, holy smokes. I never thought that I could accomplish this, but so many people get distracted or they get disincentivized or they get, uh, just disheartened in the first year because it didn't hit the numbers that they hoped that they would hit. But what they don't see is dude, a seed has to grow down before it grows up. You know, and the knowledge that they gain. You gotta, yeah, you got to build a foundation that's underground that yep. nobody sees or gives mm-hmm. credit to before you can start building up. And, and that's everything that happens in the first two years. And it's not until year three and beyond that you really start seeing the growth and the, and the progress. Dude, I love what you said about compounding debt is how you learned about compounding wealth. I mean, that, that is powerful right there because I know there's a lot of people out there that are probably compounding their debt uh-huh. and use that like you did. You could use that. You could make excuses. You could sit there and say all day long, hey, I, you know, woe is me. The world's against me. I don't have the means. You said, no, I'm going to stop this right away. I'm going to pivot and we're going to figure out a way to turn this into a positive and compound wealth and compound. And, and you make another good point as far as it, it's funny on how like in 12 months you do a couple little things and it doesn't feel like much, but in that two, second and third year, 
you didn't really see in that first 12 months how powerful that 12 months was. I always tell people, they're always like, hey, how do I get started investing? It's like, do the first deal, house hack, whatever it is, buy a single family. It doesn't matter what it is. I actually talked to a guy today. I'll bring this up. It's, we we're talking today and he has a single family. He has about 130 grand in equity. He's like, hey, do I sell it? Do I rent it? He's like, we we're talking it through and he's young. He's like, you know, I'm going to rent it because it gives me the experience of understanding how this works. Yeah, I love and it. I understand how to analyze it. I understand the, the management of it. I understand all aspects of rentals so that when I try to level up, I'm going to have the experience. So yeah, he could take that money and probably have a better ROE on it. But when we talked it through, it's like his knowledge and experience is worth more than investing that 130 and making a little bit more money. That, that's, yeah. that's where people don't that's where they drop the ball is because they're just looking at numbers on paper, but they're not looking at the intangibles. And the best investment is always going to be investment in yourself, in your education, in your relationship capital. And if you can spend like, dude, if somebody comes to me and they said, Hey man, I have uh, 50 grand. What should I buy? You should buy relationships. Yeah. You should go and get yourself into knowing all the players in the industry, in your community or regionally or nationally. Mm -hmm. So that way you have, dude, if, if you come to me with money, and you're like, oh, well, uh, what's the best return I can get? If I tell you to go take that $50,000 and go buy a single-family house mm -hmm. and get uh, a 10% return, that's $5,000 a year. Versus, dude, go and invest that money into education, your own education, your own relationships. dude, And those relationships and that education is going to show you how to go and buy $5 million of property every yeah. single year, which is going to generate an extra $500,000 a year of revenue for you or net worth or whatever. And the ROI on that is dramatically, yep. dramatically more than, oh, well, I invested 50 grand, so now I have to go. now, I don't, And I don't have any more knowledge if I invest that 50 grand into a house, mm -hmm. so I have to go and save another 50 grand. Versus, let me educate you on how to go and raise private money and multiply the shit out of this thing. You know what I mean? Or and maybe so, you have a value too. Like the one thing that I've learned is like my coaching and all this stuff. I've built partners out of this. I now have a partner where two partners where I'm in a roofing company, a partner where I have a private money lending company mm -hmm. because of the rooms I was in. Mm -hmm. I'm in the room. I built a relationship. Now instead of you know the ten, fifteen thousand dollars I invested in that, I now have partners yep. that were generating real money because of it. And that's that's what you can't i guess it's not tangible but if you do it right and you align yourself with the right people and the right values and you have some sort of value to give because of your personal growth and you're growing your mind and your value there's no stop you know telling how big you can grow from there and, and i know you know that you yes. just backtrack the breadcrumbs of what led me to this deal well yeah. it's because of this relationship this introduction because mm -hmm. i paid to go to that ria meeting for twenty dollars two years ago Boom, 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 boom. And the trail of breadcrumbs comes back to mm -hmm. you investing in yourself, yep. putting yourself in the right. Like that's consistently the theme in the most successful people that I know. It's like dude, that they're investing in themselves and they take 100% ownership over their successes and their failures and make sure that they learn from those things and make sure that they don't do it again. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, sorry to quote Jim Rohn again, but I've been listening to a lot of him and he says that that's, that's really being an adult. It's responsibilities. You've taken the responsibility, good and bad. If you have a big win, take that responsibility. You know what? You won because you worked hard and you planted those seeds. And if there's an issue at the end of the trail, it's because, guess what? You, you screwed up along the way. You should have done something a little differently. Yep. So you look at yourself like when you said, hey, we didn't operate that well. We didn't analyze it well. Yeah, the market turned, but that's on us. It's not on the investor. Yep. That's where it shows that you are truly an adult and a grown-up and responsible for your actions, no matter what they are and what the repercussion is. I absolutely love that. It's funny. I, I love where this um, talk's going. So I want to talk a little bit about, rather than, you know, we talked about your company. We know you have the syndications, the multifamily, everything like that. But for you as a person, 
pretty much all successful people I know do their real. They sit down, they put their goals in for the year, they put their budgets in for the year. They they know their numbers. So like, when you're looking at your goals for the year, how do you assess like how you want to? I, I know you invest in multifamily, but do you ever look at other asset classes still? Do you ever like say, hey, I want I might want to put my money in these buckets? When you're setting your goals for the year, is it always strictly multifamily? Or are you kind of looking to hey, I might adapt to this, or I might pivot or tell me a little bit about like the inside thought yeah i I think um that's a good question i would say as you grow you're gonna uh, there's gonna be a lot of opportunities Mm -hmm. that are presented to you and um i guess i've become aware that every time that i invest in something that i'm not aware of that i don't know the inner workings of that other people are doing it just because it's like a flash in the pan opportunity or a get rich quick kind of a thing or a you know, here's here's where the opportunities are going. Like, we've seen it with e-commerce, mm-hmm. right? These these Amazon stores and Walmart stores. We've seen it with uh, cryptocurrency. Yep. We've seen it with uh, shit. It was uh, playing cards, like like uh, baseball cards and basketball cards for a little bit. There was even some excitement around that. We've seen it with um, uh, you know help getting you know this this uh, ERC money and and um, cash and access to those kinds of things and. Uh, you know, you see people having a lot of success in, in these other industries and you think the grass is greener on the other side. And I can see that somebody with not a lot of experience in business and who hasn't been a lot around a long time could say, hey, grass is greener over there. It's not greener. Yeah. Somebody who's been in business, who's invested in a lot of those different things, who's put money in those things, who understands what it takes to build a business, a successful business that makes money and is sustainable – realizes that uh, it takes a lot more. The grass is not always greener. It, it's just different, and it takes a lot of watering. It's the same three to five years that you're already... So, dude, the, the, the reason you see people who don't have success is because they only dedicate one to two years. Hey, I'm going to dip my toe in it for a year. First of all, dipping your toe in it shows that you're not committed, mm-hmm. right? I've never seen anybody have massive success who is fucking lukewarm about anything, right? Mm-hmm. They're always white hot. I'm going to light this shit on fire. I'm going to burn the ships. I'm going all in. I'm going to, I'm going to succeed or die trying, right? That's the mindset whenever um, I see somebody really successful jumping into something. There is no retreat. There is no, let me t- t- test this out and then go back to my job kind of thing. It's like, I'm going to make this happen. And they also dedicate a longer timeline to it. It's not, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to test it out for a year and see how it goes. Anybody who's been in business a long time realizes you can't accomplish shit in 12 months, right? It's a three-year principle that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Year one, you got to plant the seeds. Year one, you're planting the seeds. Guess what? Some of those seeds need to be, or all of those seeds need to be watered. Mm -hmm. They all need to be sunned. They all need fertilizer. They all need good soil. You're planting those seeds. And seeds, like we talked about before, grow down before they start coming out of the soil. So you don't even know. You're not seeing any of the seeds take root. And... But they're growing, right? They're 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 taking root. They're they're moving in forward progress. You just can't visibly see it, and that's developing the relationships, and that's getting the the, the knowledge, and that's meeting the private money lenders, and that's meeting the right title companies, and that's dealing with bad contractors, and figuring out what a good contract, dude. That's all year one. It's a lot of learning. Year two is then cultivating those things. There's mm-hmm. people in uh, who lend you private money who watch you. For a year or two years to make sure that Dan's got the right uh, outlook, the right character, right, mm-hmm. the, the knowledge, and and when you come into it, like smart people don't just throw their money at somebody that they meet 
immediately. Yeah. They, they watch that person. They make sure that they're not uh, a flash in the pan, that they're not just coming in trying to extract and then roll forward. They've been there. They're investing in themselves. They're investing in relationships. They have that long-term uh, mindset. So like year two is cultivating those relationships. It's cultivating those seeds. Mm-hmm. Now it's sunning them more, making sure they got the right water, making sure they have the right fertilizer, uh, you know, making sure that, that any soil that blows away, you, you, you put more soil on it. And it's, it's having those connections. It's hanging out at dinners with people. It's going to more networking. It's having some cocktails. It's going golfing. It's, it's deepening those relations, cultivating those relationships and cultivating that knowledge. Oh, I got burned by that contractor. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because I didn't have a contract in place. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And I know better now with contractor number two. And now mm-hmm. you're putting those, those learning lessons into effect. And then year three is when the harvest comes. Now, finally, you're seeing the fruits. Mm-hmm. Now, a deal you bought in year one or year two finally comes to fruition. You can refinance it and you get a payday or you sell it and you get a payday or you um, have known that person you met in year one who just sold their business and you're top of mind. So then they bring cash to your deal, mm-hmm. right? This is where the harvest start coming, starts coming. And then years four and beyond is the consumption phase, yeah. right? Now... You got success after success and you got um, some harvest after harvest and, and all of a sudden you're able to stockpile the food and, and if there's any sort of bad, bad um, harvest, right, or, or you don't have the, like the economy changes, mm-hmm. something doesn't shake out the way, well, guess what? You got reserves. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. You got, you got a, a stockpile of food over here because of the relationships and all those different kinds of things. And you can ride out any sort of economic winter that could happen because you already have stores of, of uh, good relationships, good knowledge, good insights, all these other deals that are going on. And you can, you can ride out that. So it's like, dude, if somebody only has a short-term mindset, they're not going to last. They have to have that five-year time horizon and that commitment because otherwise they're going to get spun out. Yep. You see it from people jumping from job to job. It, I'm going to give it a year. I'm going to give it two years. And they never become an expert at anything mm-hmm. because they never dedicate the time needed to become an expert. And I, I mean, so much great knowledge just popped there. And talk about compounding wealth. That's how to do it. It's the knowledge. It's the personal growth. It's the building the relationships. And it's the taking time to perfect that, that skill, whatever it is. And I think that's something that's, that's missed a lot. We could all talk about, hey, invest your money here. Get this return. Do that return. But... Basically, in a nutshell, what you're saying is the best return is in yourself. Bet on yourself, yep. put something together, and go for it. But give it that three, four, five-year plan. Don't just try one and two-year stints. Absolutely love that advice. I think everybody here should listen to that. Um, let's do the compound round. I want to ask you a couple of questions that I ask all my guests. Just okay. one or two-minute answer. Just fire them off. All right. Uh, in the compound mindset, it's six areas of our life. It's health, wealth, relationship, faith, personal growth, and making the world a better place. We talked a lot about personal growth here and um, financial compounding wealth. Is there any other area of your life right now that you're focusing that maybe has been lacking that you're trying to focus on compounding this year? Uh, I'd say health is a big one. Mm-hmm. I've had, um, in the past 12 months, I've done two very extensive blood panels, um, just checking on some of that kind of stuff. I had a baby six months ago, so that kind of... Um, I don't know. I think whenever a big life circumstance like that happens, you always like start paying attention to the grander picture of things. And so I've had two big blood panels done, making sure that you know things are on track or, or, or not on track, right? And um, 
my cholesterol was high, so I started eating more plant-based type stuff. And I started taking vitamins, which I, I hate taking vitamins. I never did that stuff before. And, uh, and I hired a health coach, Fraser Bailey, and um, absolutely great dude. And then also I work out with Gunner and you mm-hmm. right? Twi- twice a week, two to three times a week. And, um, and then I, I do workouts outside of that as well. And just you know, being more conscious of my health, I think, has been a big deal for me this year. I think a lot of times people sacrifice their health while they build their business. Mm-hmm. And then they sacrifice all their money in order to get their health back after that. And yeah. I don't want to be that guy, right? And I want to, as I have young kids and as I have um, vitality in me, I want to make sure that um, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in good shape. I'm showing them that you can build a business mm-hmm. and take care of your health and spend time with family and balance you know, uh, your spirituality and uh, all the fun things and make an impact and all the, all the things that you guys stand for. Uh, you're always leading with one. Yep. Yeah. Right, like I, I don't think balance is the right word, mm-hmm. uh, but I think harmony is right. There's there's different pitches and different tones and things that lead um, in different parts of a chorus or, or an orchestra, and I think sometimes you pay a little bit more attention to the business, yeah. and it's a season of your life. And then sometimes you have a baby and you pay a little bit more attention to the the home life, mm-hmm. or you you realize your kid just went to kindergarten. And you're like, oh man, I better. I don't, I don't see them for eight hours a day. I'll me go and hang out with the younger ones more because I, I um, took that time for, for granted before. And so you start thinking about these things as life starts happening and maybe you lead um, with different things at different times. And that doesn't mean you have to neglect mm-hmm. all the other ones, but it's like, what are the couple of key metrics that you can uh, focus on and uh, in order to keep those things going, right? And so... Mm-hmm. Hey, make, make, like entrepreneurs, it's like uh, um, standard, right? That we neglect our relationships. So, like entrepreneurs, we we're like standard. All of us neglect—not all of us, but many of us—neglect our relationships with our spouse, right? And take that for granted while we're trying to build the business. It's like, okay, how do you not do that and not then grow too far apart? And after five years, that compound effect sets in of you not nourishing that relationship. Well, you know, doing a date night twice a month. Right, stay keeps you connected, and, and watching a movie together after the kids go to bed once a week or something like whatever that is. Maybe going to work out together a couple times a week, and just staying active in that regard. And yeah, hey, it's it's not spending all day together and hanging out like the way that you did maybe when you were mm-hmm. first dating or, or first engaged uh, or first married, but it keeps pumping the prim- uh, priming the pump, yep. if you will. While while you're working on these other things, and then you can come back and really dive deep. So it's like, um, don't neglect those other things. Figure out what the one or two needle movers are. And uh, for fitness, you know, maybe it's maybe it's just sticking to a very strict diet yep. while you're building the business. And maybe you're not pumping weights two hours a day like you wish you could, but you're um, you're, you're working healthy. Out, yeah, you're eating healthy, or you're working out for 45 minutes five days a week, and that keeps keeps the under the surface momentum going yeah. while you're working on some of these other things and then you know it's harmonious yeah that's why we talk about the compound mindset a little bit of each thing and just making sure you don't forget about one you're right you're yeah. putting your gas on one then switch the gas to the other one but not forgetting about any of these so i love that answer uh, balancing all areas of your life uh there um not balancing i'm sorry adjusting and pivoting and going after whichever <laughs> not area balancing. you gotta go not balancing <laughs> but going after each area as you need them um i ask it this way but i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm going to say, what's your defini- definition of success for you? Not in um, general. What is success to you? Peace of mind. Okay. I'd say peace of mind. I think, I think going through 
all those things that you think that society tells you to weigh success on of, uh, you know, having the fancy stuff and having the, the material items and, and, uh, fame and fortune and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, dude, you, you, you get it. And it's like, this is it, right? It's, it's why those entrepreneurs, you know, kill themselves because the destination isn't as exciting when you get there. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I, I, I don't talk about a destination and people talk about, Oh, it's, it's about the journey. It's about the journey to the checkpoints. There is no destination. You're going to keep on going forever. And, but there's checkpoints mm -hmm. achieve the house. Awesome. But I knew that that wasn't the end. I knew that that wasn't the pinnacle. I knew that that wasn't the, the, the tip of the mountain. It just, it keeps on going. Check that box. That's exciting. And you can enjoy it a lot more when you don't think that that's the finish line. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. And so the checkpoints along the way and shifting my mindset to that um, has been a game changer. There's definitely, dude, don't get me wrong, um, things that I, I love my mountain house, right? Mm -hmm. But guess what? I'd be cool in a log cabin with no electricity also because yeah. it's just, I don't know, it's kind of my vibe. You know, I used to camp out all the time when I was a kid. Um, yeah, I too. love I my it. beach house. The mm -hmm. views are unbelievable, but it's kind of a double-edged sword. I work in the beach house. I work at my oceanfront house and I watch everybody else on vacation and hanging out on the beach and I'm on a phone call with a lender who's giving me a hard time. And it's like, it's almost like a, uh, a double-edged sword where like there's a benefit. Oh yeah, I have these amazing views. But at the same time, it's like you can't go and enjoy it like yeah. you do when you're on vacation. It's a very different dynamic when you live on the beach versus when you vacation to the beach. And, um, and I'm not trying to feel bad for myself that I have a beachfront house and I don't get to... Hmm. Like, it's, that's not it at all. The point is... Everybody thinks it's better yeah. or it's it's more than what it actually is. You know what I mean? And so, um, dude, success to me is is peace of mind of knowing that I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, wherever I want to. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean having a bunch of money. It's more of a, it, but it, but it's a it's a limited amount of like freedom of some access to cash, but more freedom of time with a little bit of access to cash. Like, dude, yeah. I don't need. I don't need tens of millions of dollars. Like I, if I had tens of thousands of dollars and freedom of time to be able to take my kids on a trip and, yep. and go somewhere for 30 days, like you're going to Italy for, you know, two months or, mm -hmm. and like, and things are still sustaining and still like, that's, that's good peace of mind, you know, mm -hmm. um, taking down this big deal. That's a hundred million dollar deal. Like, you know, the best part of taking down a hundred million dollar deal is saying, you took down a hundred, yeah. not, not having it, right? Not managing not it, not, not overseeing it, managing, it. <laughs> not dealing with the stresses of it, not having yeah. the lender breathe down your throat, uh, or breathe down your neck. It's, it's saying it. That's the best part of it. Mm -hmm. Dude, nothing else is good about, like I got a phone call today with the lender, the president of one of the largest, if not the largest bridge lender in the entire country is going to get on this phone call because the management company defrauded us, uh, you know, there's two other operating partners, great guys. They just uh, have different access to resources than I have or different bandwidth and uh, team size and all that stuff. And so I've had to kind of take over operations of this. And um, uh, I got to go and answer now yeah. uh, to a deal that's been put in a, a tough, precarious situation. And um, that's not fun, no. dude. I don't fucking need it, right? I, I signed on a loan for 19% of the deal uh, in a capacity of, me being totally passive, and now we've had to raise more money. I've diluted my equity down to less than 10% of the deal. Um, and now we're in a position where 
I'm making less money or no money, might even lose some money or have to write a check, and I'm doing a lot more work yep. for that, right? And so that's not a cool position to be in. And I think um, that doesn't help you achieve your success, the, the if, peace of mind. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it goes back to making long-term decisions, yep. right? Is, it, is this a property that I want to own for the next 25 years? No, I would have told you no at the front at the onset mm-hmm. of it, right? Is it worth seventy million dollars of liability on my credit to make five million dollars over the next three to five years? No, it's not worth that, mm-hmm. right? Seventy million dollars could take me down, yeah. right? Now the property will never get; it's not a set, real seventy million dollar risk, but it's a it's a very much a ten to fifteen million dollar risk probably. Mm-hmm. Because um, not only that, it's it's we got ten million dollars of investor equity and all this other stuff. Now, again, I'm I'm giving you grand scheme of things. The the property is going to be fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've invested a bunch more money. We've totally turned around the ship. We fired the old management company. We got great personnel. Um, it's a it's a biggest big big ass building in a big ass city in the biggest continental state that's uh, highly desirable. Mm-hmm. We've got the best amenities of any of the competition, the biggest units, the, the lowest price per square foot. So it's like, it's got a lot of great things going for it. It just needed better operations yep. and the management company had to go. And now we just need time and money and it's going to be a great investment right? forever. It's not going to pay out the way that I had hoped it would pay out, but it'll be good for the investors. And if I can get out of it with the investors making their returns and getting the um, the stress of the lender off my back—that's an amazing. And I just and I learned my lesson of not taking on deals like that. If mm-hmm. I don't see myself owning it for 25 years, why am I even doing it, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in the growth phase and you got to get up to some certain, um, you know, say you're trying to get up to 100 units, mm-hmm. so that you can qualify for other stuff. I get it. You got to buy some things that maybe you don't want to hold on to long term in order to be a stepping stone, yeah. but. I had past that. I'm, yeah, I'm past that. that. Yeah. I have the opportunity to be picky, mm-hmm. and I wasn't. I did it. I bought that deal out of ego yep. to be able to say I bought a hundred million dollar deal, all right, with a seventy million dollar loan, and and it's like that's a bad reason to do deals, yeah. you know. So learn from my mistakes. Don't do that, right? Don't do deals out of ego. Do deals out of understanding what your goals are, what your ambitions are, yep. what the peace of mind or lack of peace of mind of taking that deal down yep. is going to cost you. Right, and so sometimes it makes sense, but but many times uh, you should say no to things that that just because you can doesn't mean you should. Uh, I I love that definition of success, and I love your vulnerability there. Thank you for opening up and being honest and open to people there. I think they're going to appreciate that. Um, one last question. I'm going to go into just a, I need a recommendation from you, but piggyback off the success. What what is or what are your whys? Um. You know, I think I think a a cop out, not a cop out, but a lot of people are like, "Oh, it's my kids, my family. They're gonna be all right." You know, like I had a big ass insurance policy if I get hit by a bus, or you know, like 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 they're gonna be fine. They they they've been set up for success, and um, and obviously I want them to have the most success as possible. Or, or I want them to be happy. I don't like I don't give a shit what they want to do. I want them to be the best version of them in whatever they do. So if my daughter wants to be a gymnast, I want her to have the resources that she wants. I want her to have the best coaching, the best whatever, in in order to pursue that and have the best ability to reach her potential. And that to me is, is people being able to reach their potential is 
is the key. And um, that's not necessarily financial potential. Mm -hmm. It's like, to, for me, it's impact, right? Mm -hmm. What scares me more than anything is like looking back on my life, on my deathbed, and saying, I could have been more, right? I could have made a bigger impact. I could have helped more people. I could have, uh, you know, kind of kind of driven further. Not, not in that I'm sacrificing other things, but just like, uh, I don't know, maybe there's a smarter or, or, or way that I could help more people and um, of what my potential could have been versus mm -hmm. what it is on my deathbed, you know? And that is kind of the driving force, knowing that, um, there are certain skill sets dude, that you have, that I have, that, that people who are watching this have. And one of the skills and, and talents that I've been able to develop is communication, mm -hmm. um, being able to educate people, being able to inspire people, not being afraid of a camera. Mm -hmm. And I think when you understand that you have the potential uh, and the ability to make a difference, mm -hmm. I think I know that you have the responsibility yes. to make a difference. You have the responsibility to help other people. And, um, dude, there's not always, you know, like we had a commercial empire last week and we didn't have as many people that signed up as, a, as we had hoped. And I was like, dude, why are we even doing this? Like we should just scrap it. We should do one a year and just leave it at that. And, um, you know, I go through it. And at the end, you know, I'm getting messed. I'm unbelievable, man. This was life changing. This impact, like, this is going to change my legacy forever. This is uh, so much good information. You're undercharging for, like, and you get those kinds of messages and you realize why we do that. Yeah. And that's, dude, I was in a funk, right? Because of some deals that, that uh, got tight and um, it adversely affected my mindset. And then, um, I didn't want to go and do the coaching. And then I go and do the coaching and it totally, shifted my mindset and it created investors out of it and created other opportunities out of it. And it's like, go and do the activity that, that you don't want to do. You know, it's like, Oh, well, Hey, do I learn and then do a deal? No, you learn by doing the deal, go out and do the deal. And then the education will come with it. And similarly with shifting your mindset is go and do the activity that you don't want to do. And you're going to realize it puts you in the right mindset that you wanted to be in before you went and did that. Activity. Does that make sense? Yeah. And well, not, not only that, I was, it's funny, I was driving the other day, and stupid stupid thing with real estate kind of got me in, like you said, your mind's just thrown off, your, your headspace is gone. And then I was honestly driving and thinking, I was like, hmm, what can I do to help someone out or make, make someone else's life better or go contribute money or contribute yeah. to society? And I felt like that would help get me out of my phone because then I'll feel good. If that person's, like this person was upset with us for some reason something that was outside of our control doesn't matter but when someone's upset with me it bothers me mm -hmm. i'm like michael scott everybody's gotta like me yeah, yeah, yeah. but like someone's upset with way. you it bothers me right same way and uh and then i'm like you know what i'm gonna go make someone else life a little bit better they'll be happy for it and i don't know if that's a club of like hey that that happiness offsets her not being happy with me at the moment but to me it was just that every time you make someone's life a little bit better a little bit different it can contribute back it brings you that joy. Right. And I love that being one of your whys of your contribution, your impact on talking about the end of your life, looking back, how many people did you impact to make their lives better or get them out of their rut or help them become successful because of that commercial empire you didn't want to put on or because mm -hmm. of some posts that you put on social media or of a podcast that you do. And I think that's just, it's absolutely powerful. And I, and I love that as one of your whys. Cause you're right. A lot of people, I mean, my why is my family, but it's to travel with my family. It's to spend yeah. time with my family. It's to, but like your why is your family, obviously, but it's also for that impact, which is 
what gives you fulfillment, right? Yeah. It's, it's what gets you there. But um, all right, I'll wrap it up with one last thing for you, my man. Um, just one book, podcast, Audible, anything. Like you got something or, or someone to follow on social media that you've really been inspired by lately? Or Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple. One is um, from a book standpoint, 12 Pillars by Jim Rohn. Okay. Have you had it? Have you I've read not it? read 12 Pillars yet. I've read The Seasons I, and his I have, other one. I have yeah. one. I'll, I'll get it okay. for you. Um, 12, yes. The Seasons are great, but 12 Pillars, dude, is like the... It's like the mecca of personal. It's like everything in one book. It's a hundred pages. It's so easy to read. You'll knock it out in one to two sittings of of reading it. And dude, you'll have you'll you need a a pen or a highlighter the whole time. And okay. the, the, it's so good. Love I read it. it. I read it about once a year. Um, it's so good. And so Twelve Pillars by Jim Rohn. So you'll eat that up. That's a book. Um, Mark Evans. I was just talking with him yesterday, and uh, he's he's made such an impact on my life. He's a great dude, and. Um, one of the most brilliant business minds that I know, and uh, he likes he likes the chase of the deal and like and that kind of stuff. Um, I've seen him, you know, in, in my eight years of uh, being friends and business uh, partners and doing stuff together. I've seen him grow dramatically and thinking more of like enterprise and long term value on things, and uh, uh, I've seen his business grow dramatically because of that. And so it's. Um, yeah, well, meaning, meaning, guess what? Mark's a mentor of mine, mm-hmm. and then I've I've taught him some things, and just yeah. you know, and and we're able to give feedback to each other and look at perspectives. And he calls me when he's falling on hard, or like when he's not in the right mindset. Yeah. You know, I call him, and and we can get each other out of that. So like, uh, he's but he's got a great business mind. Make sure you follow him. He's a great follow. Um, he's got a podcast and stuff too. But I like I like the. Uh, the smaller type podcasts, yeah. you know, like I, like uh, I was, I was talking to Mark about this yesterday and he's got an event that's going to be happening in June. He'll probably hit 300 people at this event, you know, uh, maybe, maybe 500. I don't know. And then, um, and you think about like an Andy Frisilla or, um, somebody who's got a dude, 30 times the audience, right? So you would think they'd have 30 times the amount of people coming out to an event. They're having a hard time filling like a 1500 unit, um, event that, or a 1500, 1500 person event. And it's like, that shows the amount of impact that even though we don't have the size of the tribe mm-hmm. that, um, maybe some of the bigger names have quality matters yep. over quantity. And, um, it's like if we go golfing, dude, and you got only your ball or only my ball, right? You're, you're in a tough spot. Your score's not going to be that good. Cause you only got one exit strategy and only, <laughs> only one option. Yep. Right. Versus um, uh, if we were golfing in a scramble and there were four balls to shoot, because you have quantity, you have higher quality of options, yep. you know, and higher quality of, in, in this regard, of, of followers, of tribe members, of people that you can interact with. And uh, the longer that I'm doing this, it's, you know, you're like, oh, I want a big following like that. You don't need it. You don't need it, and and there's a lot of um, responsibility, or not responsibility. I would say <sighs> pressure on you mm-hmm. um, that you don't friggin' need. Like you gotta always get dressed up to go out when that many people know you, right? Like you yeah. gotta act a certain way and pretend like you're. Uh, and, and I would rather have a tribe of very real, very yeah. qualified, very um, hyper focused, hyper yeah, group of people yeah. rather Dude, than you've yeah. got a thousand people that are solid and like in your corner and got your back. Um, 
and somebody talks shit about me on social media, there's like a dozen people who will jump on that post and be like, no, Bratz is solid, da 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 da, and you gotta know him and all this other stuff. You know, and, and it's, so it's like. It's a lot more powerful than you fighting that person. For sure. Like, yeah, for sure. I, mean? yeah. I would rather have a tribe of mm. amazing people and a smaller tribe of amazing people. It's like the whole yeah. idea of. You know, 300, right? The Spartans, that there are 300 badasses that held off the Persian army, yep. right? At the Battle of Thermopylae versus having, having 2,000 sheep trying to go and battle these people and get absolutely clobbered, you yep. know? Um, so I think I, that, that has been a, a big transition for me. And so I don't know how we even got on that, but the, <laughs> the idea is I like, I like following the people with not a huge uh, following, but who are really, really smart business minded. Yep. And, um, you know, I think I think that's there's and then there's a level of connection to them because they'll answer your text yeah. message, they'll answer your direct message, they'll respond to your email and uh, comment on your comment on their stuff. You know, like I think there's they'll probably blow up at some point. Then you know, there, there's a power at that. Yeah. You know? yeah, no, that's awesome. No, I love it. Um, just want to thank you. I really appreciate you being on. There's some awesome nuggets dropped today. Just some really good um, personal growth, compounding wealth, just why success. I, I really appreciate your time, Tim. Thank you. Appreciate you having me, buddy. Yeah. Proud of you. Take care. Thanks.